Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you be the teacher. You be the one that confirms truth in us. If we hear something that's different than what we've heard, help us not to just react emotionally because we all come with our own cubby holes of beliefs. But instead, may we learn to listen to your voice to be the teacher to confirm, to wrestle with, or reject the things we hear. Thank you, Father. Amen. This morning, I'm going to continue on. Uh, we started last week talking about what is your name? The game-changing name changers. And we started to go through some names of individuals in the scriptures that had their names changed and the significant effect it had on it. So there's a couple more I want to talk about and then get into some heavy-duty stuff that I think is going to be really, really good. I'm going to go really fast. So if you try and tell me later, you spoke too fast. That's because I am speaking too fast because I have way too much stuff to talk about today. Okay? So just so you know, I know that, and hopefully we'll get through this, and I'm going to finish this today. So here we go. Some name changers. Did you know that Joseph, in the Old Testament, the one who got sold as a slave to Egypt, he too had his name changed when he became a servant to the king, second in command. When the Hebrew Joseph came into the service of the Pharaoh, he was given a new Egyptian name, probably meaning Egyptian, God speaks, he lives. And the reason that name would have been given to Joseph is because it was the wisdom of the dream interpretation that he did to the king was wisdom and proved that God does live to the Pharaoh at the time. It's a powerful image. Next name was Esther. Do you remember Esther? Her Hebrew name was Hadassah, whatever that is, however you say it, I'm not certain. But that was her Hebrew name. But it was changed. Um, this man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Then when she ended up meeting the king, you know that whole find me a beautiful woman so I can get married thing? If you don't know the story, it's a great story. Uh, she was taken into Xerxes' court. The name Esther is a Persian name. So is Mordecai. There's a reason. Do you remember that some people really hated the Jews? And they wanted to kill off the Jews. Mordecai named her Esther in order to kind of cloak her Jewish history, thereby protecting her life. And later on, that came into play when she pleaded for the life of her people. Great story. Next, uh, Ben Obi Wan. Just kidding. He says, <laughs> I figured somebody would get a kick out of that. Uh, ben Oni. <laughs> It's the closest the Star Wars are going to see in the Bible, right? Uh, his name Benjamin, uh, changed by his father. This is cool. I never knew this, that Benjamin had another name before he was named Benjamin. As I was told, his name was Benjamin. It's not true. Before he, or just as he was born, uh, it says this, Rachel was about to die, and with her last breath, because she died in childbirth, she named the baby Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. She was so upset. It was so painful. The baby's father, however called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem, which is part of the lineage of Jesus. The whole story, all these dots connect. So that's a name change that was pretty cool. Here's one that I did not know about either. This is really cool. I did not know that Solomon was not called Solomon. He was given another name, but all we know is Solomon. And here's what happened. When David comforted Bathsheba, because their child died, his wife, uh, his wife, and slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And David named him Solomon. So David named him Solomon. 
That's how we know him. The Lord loved the child and, listen to this, sent word through Nathan, the prophet, that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord commanded. Holy smokes, I had no idea. David, who had done so much, he'd gone from pain to joy, from darkness to light, to despair to hope. God was grace in his pain. God was grace in his horrific decisions to disobey. God was grace through it all. And he will be for you too. No matter what you do, no matter how you respond, no matter how deaf you are and hearing the voice of God, he will be gracious to you. The game isn't over yet. Uh, this is a fun one. Jesus had a sense of humor. Uh, he called James and John, nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Why would he call them that? Because they were hotheads. Oh, wait a minute. So was Peter. But these two guys were called sons of thunder. And I thought, what do you mean by that? This Luke 9.54 kind of gives you an idea of their intensity, their zealotness of, ha ha, we're going to fight for our Lord. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? <laughs> Take them out, God. Take them out. That's the response. So Jesus said, sons of thunder, sons of thunder, sons of thunder. You know? <laughs> no, it's not my way. Just really funny. Anyway, that was a name change. That was more of a nickname, and we know about nicknames today. Next one. Okay, this is, this is the, the crux of what this message is all about, the name changers. In Daniel chapter 1, we, the story begins with King Nebuchadnezzar coming to Jerusalem, taking it over because the Lord gave King Nebuchadnezzar's success. The Lord did. When you see it in the notes, read, read the text yourself. It's the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's amazing how much is there. Anyway, by the time they uh, at attacked the city, besieged it, they ended up bringing captives back to Babylon. So the king asked for all these young guys, the young captives. He said, select only the strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. So that's, that's, that was his choice. He wanted the, the good-looking, the, the smart, the bright. He wanted the top people that he took from Jerusalem. It said here, Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Hey, of Babylon. This was going to be an absolute brainwashing course, an absolute retraining, all right? This is, this, this is what they did. This is how they, they brainwashed him. I'll get into the story of why. So the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. So he took their Jewish names and says, nah, I'm giving you a new name. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hanani was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. All right? Those are their Persian names. They're new Babylonian names. They're not their Hebrew names. We'll talk about what their Hebrew names mean later. And then later, as they were teased, saying, here, eat the greatest food from the king's table, the king's wine, the beef, the pork, the smorgasbord, the sushi, all that stuff. I don't think I had that, but anyway. Um, Daniel said he was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king because it defiled their law as Jews. It was in this moment 
The idea, Daniel was determined. I like the translation where it says, and Daniel made up his mind. To me, that's the clearest and firmest interpretation of that verse. This is something we don't do today very well. Well, I'm still coming to a conclusion about what I believe. Come on, make up your mind, you know, and be teachable. Keep growing. But here, Daniel is referring to his roots. I will not forget who I am and who my God is, even though I've been put in this place. That's what he's doing here. These name changers. We're going to talk about what those names mean in a minute. Well, here's what God did. Now, listen. God gave Nebuchadnezzar the win. He allowed Nebuchadnezzar to go into Jerusalem and even take the spoils of the temple and everything. No other king got to do that. Usually trouble happened to the kingdoms that took away the stuff from the temple of holies and so on. There was a curse, but not Nebuchadnezzar. What's going on here? There's a backstory going on. And I don't know if we'll cover it all today, but that's okay. Uh, we'll get to it. But here's what God did to these four guys. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God, you see, you would need a godly influence for that kind of stuff. Like, who can remember all that? And who would have an aptitude for that besides my wife and understands English literature and all that stuff? Like, it's not my world at all. It's like, whoa, that does require a miracle. But anyway, here it happens. For the understanding of every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel, God gave, listen, God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. Do you think it was a setup? Absolutely, because a big dream later was going to need to be interpreted and save their very lives. We don't can talk about that one today. We already have in the past. Then, once these four were approved by the king, interviewed, said, yes, now you're in the king's court, here's what happened. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. This is a God thing. Can you see it's a God thing? Can you see it's going to be a God thing for wisdom for you and I? It's going to be a God thing to orchestrate whatever mess you're in. It's going to be a God thing to know the backstory better than you, and all you need to do is trust even when it doesn't look like there's anything to trust because you're in such darkness and despair. That's why stories have been given to us through Scripture. That's why stories have been given to you and I to share with one another, to see the hope of Christ in us in difficult times. This is why we need to be getting together, to hear our stories, not just coming here teaching on a Sunday morning. This is the smallest part of church. Church is people. Connecting. We need to do more of that. So we're going to have a luncheon today. It's going to be fun. You know, hopefully there's enough food. We'll see. What's going on in this story? This story begins with the first crop of leaders taken to be trained and converted from Jew to Babylonian. This is the first wave. Taking the best and the brightest. Because here's what's going to happen. The new recruits would then lead the next batch of captives, being former Jews, 
the ones who are enslaved are going to have a natural trust right away to listen and be teachable because they see their Jewish brothers not fully knowing how their minds have already been brainwashed. It's a very, very smart move. They would teach the new captives to become Babylonian, the new religion, and it was called New Age. Interesting. So names do matter, people. Names matter big time. Our names matter. Here in the West, we're probably more flippant about names. They're more like a handle, a, a name tag. Isn't that nice? It's just something to put on your birth certificate because the doctor's pressing you. Pick something, okay, Fred. You know, whatever it is. Um, you name it. Whatever name you have. But they're not done with deep, profound meaning, usually. Sometimes, oh, okay, let's go pick up a book. Oh, no, do it again. You know, and you just keep, you pick out of a name, a name out of a book. That's what a lot of parents tend to do. Some, I want a special child, so I'm going to have a very difficult name. And I want them to be really unique. And so they pick a name that's bizarre, you know. And later, their parent, their, their kids divorce the parents just for the name they got, you know. It, I've, I've heard some doozies, and so have you. But the flippancy, the, the non-meaning of a name. Some of you may have been named specifically. And in the Christian world, sometimes we have a different handle on it because we've already been made aware that names matter. But in the world generally, not in the West, not here in North America, it's like pick a name out of a hat. Yeah, okay, that works. Pick grandfather's name as the middle name, whatever. And it's not a deep meaning. I know uh, my name is Michael, you know. I just remind people it means archangel. So there we go. Just, just saying, all right? Don't mess with me. All right. In the Eastern world, in the Bible cultures, names mattered a lot. This is the part you need to get today. They were a statement of faith. They were a statement of identity. Their names meant something much more than we are accustomed to today. In fact, it meant a whole sentence. One word meant an entire sentence. We don't even, we just, Michael, you know, Michael. Like, it's... Okay, that's nice. And you kind of pointed to the archangel. And there is a meaning to it. But some names, you know, the, the purpose of giving the name is not thought through well enough. I've had, I know people that have done some research on their name they've been given later in life. And uh, they suddenly find deep meaning in the name they were given. It may have been flippant. It may have been an accidental. It may have been whatever. But suddenly the name becomes alive in them. Isn't that incredible? Names do matter. You are making a statement of your faith in God and your expectancy of your child's faith in God. That's what these names were. I remember when we named Noah, uh, we had moved four times in nine months. Do you know how mean that is to a pregnant woman? That is not nice. We've had, we had nine homes. Oh, sorry, four homes. Four homes in nine months. That's a lot. So when I found out what the name Noah meant... To wander and then find rest. That's a great name. <laughs> That's how I named Noah. That was great. Yep. So it was pretty cool. Anyway, full sentences. Naming your child was a confession of faith and a prophecy. You're trying to speak into the name of your child for the future. One with great hope, one with this. Like it's, it's a powerful thing. The first memory you would have is that of your parents calling your name or the sentence. It's like Don, as a baby, his parents say, Oh, righteous one who will love God profoundly. 
And they would keep saying that sentence over the child, over and over and over again. People, words matter. Phrases matter. The vibration of your voice affects things. When you speak positive, it affects positive. When you speak negative or speak lies, it affects you. Do I understand all that? No, but it's true. I've seen the effects of it. There's a whole series we could teach on that, but I'm just not smart enough for that one. That's like way out of my pay grade. But it's very, very true. And that's why you see in Scripture, be careful with your words. Because there's a deeper, deeper science and power behind them. The new names. Here's what the names, they took their, their Jewish names and they gave them new names. And here's what they named them. Belteshazzar means owned by Bel, under Bel's protection, their God. So he's trying to rob them of their godly name and give them a false god name because they knew the power of name. Keep speaking that name into them. Keep speaking it. It'll eventually begin to become true to them and then they believe it. And if they believe it, they'll start acting like their new name. Everybody lives what they believe. Everybody. Shadrach means command the moon god Aku. That'd be pretty cool. You know, I'm a moon god. Meshach, named after the goddess Shishak. I wonder if they saw the shack. But anyway, <laughs> Abednego means servant of Nebo, Nabu, fire of God. That's incredible, the fire of God. So these are Babylonian projections onto these four Jewish men. And if it wasn't, it wasn't just them, all the, all the Jews got new names when they came into the kingdom. This was a brainwashing, intentional procedure. Well, here in the West, here's what happens. After we get our name, the easy one, not thought through necessarily, we go back to the ancients and take on the sentence. Tell me if you recognize any of these sentences that you may have come to believe and live out of. You are not good enough. And I'm telling you some phrases that I grew up with. Not good enough. In fact, the phrase to me was, you're a nothing. And that was screamed in my face all through my childhood. I'm a nothing. You get that voice in your head long enough, guess what happens? It still rings back there somewhere. It doesn't have the same power anymore. It's not gone. You will never amount to anything. How many times have you heard that possibly? You are ugly. Even if somebody doesn't tell you that, you may look in the mirror and go, you're ugly. Do you know that voice? You're a failure. You are so stupid. You're an idiot. Where have we heard some of these phrases before? Tell me the most popular places you'll hear those phrases right now. School. And how many hours do you spend at school? Too many. I hate school. I like learning. I just... Me and school just didn't get along. I proved it. But anyway, you're an idiot. You'll never do anything right. You always do things the wrong way. Or I've heard this one. You make me sick. Have you ever heard these from an employer? 
Some people have. Or, this would be a happy home if it wasn't for you. Why can't you be like your brother or sister? How many have heard that one? If it wasn't for you, your father or mother would still be here, as in still together. These are sentences, statements of faith, false faith, that are spoken and believed. I am sick of hearing parents in grocery stores and in public when they yell at their kid. They don't know what they're doing to their kid. And that kid's believing it, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Here it is. Children do not have an editing program. They believe adults. Why do you think they want to please adults so much? Why do you think they want to please mom and dad so much? If I were to have somebody come up to me today, today and say, you're this and this and this, well, I have an editing program now, and I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm rejecting that. It's not true. I know better. But a child does not. Now, listen to this. As a child grows to believe that sentence about themselves, they begin to act it out. And that becomes their belief system into adulthood and maybe even right to their death. It's the voice of the lie as a child they carry with them and believe. It's time to reject that. Turn its table. Stop letting it affect us. Children don't have the ability to determine if it's true or not. Heck, the mature mind isn't even fully developed. Rational thinking doesn't even begin until 23 or 24, 25 years old. And we give them a license at 16. <laughs> like, boom. And that's a scientific fact. Children don't have that ability. Children believe adults. Be careful what you say to your children, parents. Be very careful what you say and how you say it. Those voices as a young child, it may suddenly be calloused over and internally ported into teens, and now they don't know why they're reacting the wrong way. It's all calloused. They don't even remember why, but it's there. Oh, it gets worse. Into adulthood. Oh, man, I'm a prime example of that. That's why my, my world's different. Because I'm battling so many stinking lies from the past. It may look like I'm believing them all the time, but I have my hiccups, a lot of them. But the Spirit of God is my teacher. He's the one, she's the one, it's the one that speaks into my mind to confirm or reject. And sometimes I'll just wallow in the lie for a bit. Just I'm, Oh, and then you find an escape. You don't want to feel anymore because that brings you to negative feelings, which leads into... Uh, improper coping mechanisms, unhealthy ones, so that you don't feel the rejection anymore. You wonder why people do certain things? Usually, that calloused lie, the voices from the past, it's real. Even if words are not said, children can take on a false message based on someone else's actions. Like, example, if mom and dad split up, they often believe it was their fault. That is a common, common belief with children when parents split up. And not just little children, teenagers. 
late teens. They still somehow, this, if I could have done something different, if I could have broken up that fight, if I could have, it's always, they take that on. Parents, fight for your marriage. Be humble. It's not about you because the pain that follows is horrific. Those that are, it's too late, then love your kids as best you can today. Try and repair the voices of lies that have been that believed by your kids or even spoken to your kids. I know how many, how many parents have yelled at their teenager because there's this weird perception that they're actually adults. And so you expect adult reasoning when you have a conversation. They actually sound like adults sometimes, but... Don't get duped. Be careful what you speak to them, too, because it could set up your future relationship in a very, very profound way. They think it's their fault that they may have believed that they are unlovable and worthless because if I was lovable, they'd stay. They would have stayed together. I must be the cause of their demise. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the lies? The sexually abused, and the only reason I can talk about this is because that's my story. Abused by a priest for three years. This crap's real. When one who has been sexually abused, and by the way, when I came out with my story a couple years ago and hit the newspaper, I was shocked, and I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was at how many people came and talked to me about their stories. Male and female. A lot more than you possibly thought. So many more people. I think this is like a... uh, Huge, huge issue in our culture, and we ignore it. Huge. But here's what happens you take on the name of your abuser because you believe I must be dirty or they wouldn't do this to me. I must be unclean. I must be unlovable. unlovable. I'm not good enough. <sighs> do you know what was sick about my story? You know, I told you about my mom and how she treated me, and it was pretty brutal. Through my counseling, I came to see the priest was actually. My mom drove me to the priest. But the way she treated me, he was far more kind to me. It was a setup for more lies. Can you see the thing picking up steam here? If we continue to believe the voice of the child in our past, are you going to stop? I need to stop listening to the lies of 14-year-old Mike. The system of belief I had back then has got to change. And I didn't realize it ported with me. It shelled in me, deep in my core. It required counseling to pull that out and dissect it. I've learned a lot. I'm not done. It may take me the rest of my life to figure this out. But I'm on a tremendous journey. But it's real. We even do this horrific self-talk. If you fail in a business, you call yourself a failure. You be, I'm not, I can't do anything right. So you settle for whatever somebody will give you, the crumbs, because you see yourself as a failure. Oh, thank you for letting me clean the table. Like, all the stuff. Um, we fail in our marriage, so we think I'm no good for relationships anymore. There is hope. No matter where you are in your relationship, if you're married, great. Find a way to make that marriage better and better and better. If you're divorced, find a way to find out what God wants for your life and if he has another person for you, great. If you're not married, let God show you. Rest in him. Your story is not finished yet. 
We stumble with our words, therefore we're stupid. Can't think fast enough. Can't argue with people fast enough so you feel like you're dumb. We lack certain education so we can't measure up and never will. (laughs) Boy, these are lies. Are you seeing the lie? These four young men knew and believed their names as they were being taken to Babylon. Daniel. These are their Jewish names. Look carefully at what their names mean. God is my judge. As in, God is the standard by which I live. That's Daniel. Belshazzar. Not happening. You can call me that, but I know my name. We just finished singing that song. He knows my name. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious or giving me favor. Mishael, by the way, Michael. Not Michelle. Yes, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> it means who is, like, who, who is like God is. I'm one with him. Do you see the identity? Azariah means Yahweh is my helper, dependent on the help of God. These are the real given names, and they did not forget. Watch this. Well, if those are their names, where the heck is the fruit of the truth of those names then? If he's God of favor, God's my judge, he's my provider, he's going to take care of everything. What the heck's going on to these four guys who are walking through a desert? What's going on? Where where is this favor that you say is on my life because of my name, and I'm I'm not experiencing the favor right now? What's with that? Nebuchadnezzar is now about to baptize them into their religion, the philosophy of Babylon. All expenses paid education. That's pretty cool. Uh, Completely new age stuff. To become the wise men on all new age thought to the Jews when they arrive. You'd think they're going to lose their faith, right? You and I, maybe, would we lose our faith if we were hurled into that today? Let's say our country was taken over by somebody and suddenly we were hauled away. Okay, that's a radical thought. Not in my world. This is what happened to them. You've got to understand the context to catch the depth of the meaning here. Well, are they going to lose their faith? Or was faith being brought to Babylon through these four men? Where there is darkness, you need light. Where there is no taste, you need salt. These four were coming to be influence of God in Babylon. So many Christians are scared of evil as if evil is going to rub off on them. Impossible for it to rub off on you. You are a child of God. You are a saint. You are holy. We sometimes worship the devil more than God when it comes to fear. Oh, he's so powerful. He's so big, careful what you say. He's everywhere, which is not true. Satan's not omnipresent at all. In fact, you might want to do a word study on the word Satan. We have the power of God in us. Greater is he that is in me that is in this world. Who's in you? Do you even know? Romans 12, 1 to 2. Beloved friends, you should be our 
you, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live in a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. It's a transformation of our mind. Don't get caught in the world's philosophies, but look at Christ's. There's been a lot of talk of New Age stuff. Again, it's an old theme. Come back again. The New Agers have some things that sound right. And some of the things are right. But their source is absolutely incorrect. I'm going to have a person come and share on that in a couple months. A woman named Mary Nye. You'll, you'll like what she has to say on this. So how do you, how do you respond to crisis? You and I, how do we do it? Do we question God? Is our faith challenged? Yes. Remember, these, were, these were men were ripped from their homeland, hauled across the desert, and had no choice. Here's what some believers would say. So if, let's say it happened to this half, okay? You guys were hauled away. You guys were the prod ones who, you know, didn't get hauled away. You might be screaming some religious phrases like this. If you had more faith, this wouldn't be happening to you. Have you heard that one from people? The accusation lie? Or how about there must be sin in your life or this wouldn't be happening to you? Listen, some bad stuff that happens is our own blinking fault because we make really poor decisions and it's those poor decisions that are going to persecute us. We're going to be punished by our choices, by the sin, not by God. It's our consequences of wrong choices. But this is a different story. These people are being taken away, none of their will here. Do you get the difference? Okay. It was because they actually did have faith that God could trust them with their assignment. Here's what they did. They cried. They complained. They were ripped from their families, and they questioned God. Where? In the desert. In the desert. The desert's not a horrible place. Well, it is if you have to experience it, but there's purpose there, and God is not absent from you in your journey. Somewhere between Jerusalem and Babylon, the desert, their minds were renewed, reminded, camaraderie. Together they were encouraging one another. Now, if I had to choose, as in let's say we weren't being taken captive, but I was offered to go to Babylon, or these guys were offered, they would not go. They wouldn't choose to go. But what if it's forced? If I find myself forced into it and can't choose it, here's the lesson these guys teach us. They embrace it and understand the power of Christ at work in this situation. 
in your situation. If it's out of your control, surrender this to God. Say, God, I will be your light and salt in my situation. I hate my job, you may be thinking, but in my job, I will be light and salt. For whatever situation I'm in, I don't like it, but I will be who you've called me to be. Please remind me what I'm forgetting. The young men will be in Babylon, but not of it. And they will change everything that they touch. God has a purpose. God has a big purpose. When I come to believe the faith of Christ, Galatians 2.20 and 2.16, I then believe my proper name. Let me remind you of your name. Let's get rid of those, the crappy names that we've been talking about. These are the names you have been called. If you begin to believe these names about you, first of all, your mind is going to be transformed and then your actions are transformed. Your behaviors will be transformed after your mind is transformed. Parents, remember that. Parents, remember that as you raise your kids. It's not behavior modification. It's mind renewal which will affect behavior. And of course, young parents, there's some things you have to force, you know, because they're young and they're being trained and guided. I get that. But you are holy. You're a saint. You're righteous. Justified. Your name is loved. Your name is accepted. Your name is reconciled. Your name is forgiven. Your name is not a piece of work, but a divine work of art. Your name is anointed, sealed. His spirit is in us. We are made perfect as in lacking nothing. We are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. God lives in you, and you are a new creation. Believe it. You're a child of God. Best of all, love this name. You are beloved. If that's your name, then listen carefully. Then be loved. Beloved, be loved. For that is your true name. If you see a table at a conference with all the name tags of all the people that are there, and you're trying to find, you find, you recognize your name, right? You recognize, am I right? Yes? Okay, good. Yeah, you look for it. Okay, I recognize that. They should all be beloved, 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 beloved. Just pick one up. Because that is who we really are. Train your mind to look for what is true. Train your mind. It's good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that it is your Holy Spirit that transforms our minds. Teach us how to believe it. I pray this in Jesus' name.